Hi, I'm Wendy, and I sometimes like to reread things. <laughs> yeah, I'm Brandon, and I like to reread things, and sometimes I enjoy it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, we like to hang out and talk about books. In this case, it's just stuff that we're rereading and figuring out if we still like it and why we may have liked it in the first case. Yep, and sometimes we make sense, and sometimes we don't. In this episode, we dive deep into Stephen King's Needful Things. Um, and this is normally the part where I would tell you to read the book first because we discuss all aspects of the plot. Uh, but don't do that. Don't do that with this book. Just hit Wikipedia for the summary, and then you will be good to go. You had this on Kindle. So I don't know if you paid attention to the first thing that's in the book before the story even starts. Uh, let's see. This page that says you've been here before. <laughs> I wrote, ha, perfect for the reread, and I was reading it in a quiet space, and I'm pretty sure I might have said that aloud. Uh, yeah. So. yeah, I thought that was uh, remarkable as the first choice for this project to have that. Yeah. So how long has it been since you've read Needful Things? I am fairly certain that I narrowed it down. Uh, I think it was probably roughly, and I cannot remember if it was before the movie was released or after, and that would have been my second reading. So I read the first one, probably paperback. I think by that time I was not buying the hardcover. Mm -hmm. But then after after that, I think it was so 1993, I believe, is the last time that I read this book. Okay. So the last time I read it was when it came out in hardcover. I went through a... It was like right after I started getting into Stephen King. And I was in this huge Stephen King phase, and I managed to talk my mom into signing me up for the Stephen King Book of the Month Club. And so, like, when he had a new book, you would get the new book, but okay. when he in a month when he didn't have a new book out, you would just get one of the old ones. And so I kept getting all these great Stephen King books, and Needful Things was one of them. And so I have not read it since 1991, when it was published. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean... You know, I've been reading. I didn't. I was never a member of the Stephen King book club, mm-hmm. uh, but I was yeah, into about everything. Though I do think probably because you know it was coming off of an interesting patch of books, and mm-hmm. I think, but I hadn't clearly given up. But I do believe that my interest went from, oh my goodness, I have to have this immediately to. And also, I think 91 was probably like in terms of like ready money, probably mm. a little, a little thinner. So, yeah, um, I can remember loving the dark half, which is one of the mm. Castle Rock novels before this. With yeah. I think it's got Alan Pangborn as the sheriff. Yeah. So because I have not read that since that came out. So okay. been a while. But I, I was super into Castle Rock. I remember the dark half and mm. the sun dog. And all the short stories. I've still never read Cujo, but I think like everything else in Castle Rock, okay. I had read when this came out. And so I was super excited for it. Yeah, I have no memory. I mean, clearly, I think back then I would have known that it was a Castle Rock story. Mm-hmm. But it took me, I think, a good... I have it on... Uh, yeah, it took me pages for me to really like key in on because again, I'm reading on an ebook. I don't flip over the the book, I, so I don't know if there's any copy that specifically says Castle Rock or. It does, and I don't know if this is true or not, 
But I remember this being advertised as the last Castle Rock story. Yeah. I looked it up afterwards. I'm going to okay. totally cheat because okay. <laughs> I, I was not picking up on, you know, it being so when it was Castle Rock. I mean, of course, I did have that recognition. So, oh, yeah, Castle Rock. But then with all of the references and I was like, okay, so now I remember. But it had been so long mm-hmm. that uh, I had to look up some things because I was like, this sounds familiar. I was like, oh, that's Dark Half. I have read Cujo, but I think I only read it once. And I'm a big fan of Dead Zone. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my favorite Stephen King books. And so I was like, oh, okay, I get that now. So it was it was more fun, I think, to get some of the Castle Rock tie-ins. It, Cujo was easy because he actually name-checks Cujo in there. So I was like, okay, I know what that one is. But even I, as much as I loved the Dark Half back in the day, mm-hmm. it took me a minute and I had to Google the author's name because he mentions the author in there. Yeah, tons of references to stuff I no longer remembered. And it, it felt the same way though, like okay, I know he keeps mentioning these names. I think these are supposed to be important to me, like I'm supposed to know who these people are already and I don't. And that that was a, a criticism that I had later for later in the book uh, because of just the sheer number of people that are in this stupid thing. Yeah. I think you're supposed to care about. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. And I, I kept thinking, I'm glad we were like on the same page there because I was like, I, I really think I'm supposed to be feeling something very different. And I'm going to guess, and again, no memory, that back then I probably would have had like the pleasure of that moment or like the, oh no, what's going to happen to Castle Rock? I mean, now, well, Castle Rock is back. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that makes money doesn't go away forever. Exactly. Right. Like, so it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, gosh, I think I should be, I should be feeling differently about it. And I, I really wasn't like, so, but there were, I mean, again, like finding those little moments of nostalgia, I still could get the taste of it, but yeah, I got overwhelming and I just, do you, what do you remember about your like enjoyment of this or lack of? Yeah. So when we, when you suggested like, sort of like, let's do, let's do needful things or we came to that agreement. Right. Uh, I had a, like a vague but good feeling, mm-hmm. and so I thought, okay, like this seems like like something that's not going to be an incredibly huge challenge. So I, I sort of was thinking, okay, I remember that I quite liked the like the causality of it, and it made me think of some of my favorite things of like the stand. One of my favorite is just the setup of the, I'm a sucker for like an epidemiological web. I love that kind of thing. And so it's just like those little tiny moments. And so I remember it's clearly not quite the same thing, but I remember liking that this small thing leads to this small thing and watching the, the chains of it and how it unfolds. And so that was my feeling that there was something really great in there. And that I knew that they would be small temptations or, you know, so I, I was all about that. I had a vague memory of, I'm like, I think there was a racetrack. Uh, I said, I have no memory of the protagonist, zero, no idea who the main character was. And I thought that that was unusual because usually, you know, you can come up with that name, that person that you care about. Uh, and I do have a feeling I, I think I disengaged at some point and I had guessed that it was when some of those things start coming to fruition, then my interest might, like after it's done, like maybe have waned. But I knew there was some point where I, I kind of distanced myself from it. And then the only other thing that I have is, I think it ends in fire. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, not a hard stretch, really. You, you did also mention that you didn't realize it was this long. I did not. Oh, it, <laughs> yes. 
And I felt it, you know. I mean, and if you like Stephen King, you have to, I think, at some point in time, make peace with the doorstopper. But I had no sense of scale because all I am is, a, I guess that's one of the drawbacks for reading an ebook is all I get is that line or the meaningless, maybe there's a setting, but I look at it like, you know, you are at place 3781. Like, that means nothing to me. Would you please tell me a page number? Uh, so, yeah. So I had to look it up. Like, how long is this thing? And so I had remembered it being a much slimmer volume and it certainly wasn't. It, no, it is not. I remember loving this book. Now, I was, you know, 14, 15. I don't remember exactly how much of this I really remembered. I remember that Ace Merrill was in it because he was uh, Keith Sutherland in... Or Keith Sutherland played Ace in Stand By Me, mm-hmm. right? And so I thought it was awesome that Ace was in this. Um, and I remembered that this town just goes completely to hell. And I, I remember loving the parts where... You know, the, the real, the real nasty stuff started happening, you know, and people were just destroying each other. And it's funny because as I was reading this, I kept expecting that to start like later. Like I thought, okay, that's like the last five pages of this or something. (laughs) But no, I mean, you really carry through with a lot of destruction and, and mania, um, I, I remembered the little kid, but I didn't remember the sheriff. Okay. And I remembered that there was somebody with arthritis. Your memory is better than mine. But that's about, I mean, those are like disconnected things, though, because I could just remember a few of the things that Leland Gaunt sells to people. So I remember the thing, that, the, the magic thing that took away the arthritis, and I remember mm-hmm. there was a baseball card involved. But. You know, other things like the Elvis sunglasses. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Elvis and, sunglasses. Oh, the fishing rod, you know. And then I, I didn't remember it until the moment that it came up was the uh, the foxtail. And wow. Okay, so there's a lot going on in this book. <laughs> yes. Oh, and the car. I, I So I, you know, I took notes as I was reading just like you did. Um, and... Uh, I remembered it wrong, but I remember that there was a special car that's not like a real car, but would be cool if you were into cars. Right. right? The was Tucker like that Ace The has. Tucker, okay, because, yeah. I mean, I know that's my limit. Like, oh, a Tucker, that's unusual, and there was a movie about it uh, in the 80s or 90s or something, but yeah. I had no memory of the car. Okay, so you didn't remember the sheriff. No. Is that, I mean, so if you think about other Stephen King books that you've read, do you remember, like, I mean, would you say that Alan Pangborn is, like, the primary, like, point of view character? Yeah, uh, Alan is pretty much, I mean, he's the one I think you're supposed to identify with the most. He's the one that doesn't get sucked in, and he's always the one fighting against uh, Mr. Gaunt. Yeah. So do you remember other protagonists? From other Stephen King stuff? Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, I, I mean, the gunslinger stuff is my favorite of all Stephen King. Yes. So I, I can remember all kinds of people from that. But, I mean, The Stand, that's also a biggie. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get into, like, the ranks of books where I kind of remember, like, I could describe the people that were in it. Like, right. like I read the Tommyknockers once, and I remember actually enjoying that. And the protagonist, or, like, one of them is a poet, 
Yeah, and maybe I was overstating it a little bit, probably because if I think about like the ones that I love, which makes sense, if you love the book, you're going to remember the protagonist. I just thought that there was something interesting about the fact that I had absolute zero memory. Like I couldn't even remember like not poet or writer or I just the sheriff. And he's, I think he's a fine enough character. Mm-hmm. As I'm reading it, I had like few really big problems with him. There was just something about it that just didn't. But I was disappointed that I did not remember the name Leland Gaunt mm. because that is a badass name. <laughs> That's I, a great name. I'm so disappointed. It was, I just thought it was perfect. So, and then I think partly because my second read was when the movie came out that I was like, okay, like I have a feeling about the villain. I know he's the shopkeeper and all I can picture is Max von Sydow, who was the person who played him in the movie. Yeah. I've not seen the movie. It is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Not Really in an entertaining way. Oh, that's the you, best kind of terrible. Yes. Ugh. No, I I love a good cheesy horror movie, and I just didn't do it for me. Um, but Max von Sydow, like, chewed the scenery, like, totally appropriately, and mm-hmm. was great. Uh, but there were some choices that were made in that. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> in the movie, Leland Gaunt, makes like overt sexual moves on Polly. Okay. And it is gross and disturbing, but not in a like, Oh, he's a villain. Just why in the world is this in here? So it was a really weird choice, but Hollywood, I suppose, but it was a very strange choice. But so I remember it. I'm like, Oh, like, so that's the character that is who I often pictured while I was reading it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that name. I was like, I don't understand why that did not stick out in my head. And pretty decent villain, I think. Yeah? Do you like Leland Gunn? I did kind of. I mean, I guess there were some moments where if I remember, like, it tips over a little too much. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think part of it is I've subsequently read that I believe Stephen King has said numerous times that this is not necessarily a horror story, but it's a satire. Okay. I can kind of see that. Uh, That that kind of dovetails with some of the notes I took. But before we get to that. Okay. What the hell is Leland Gaunt supposed to be? (laughs) I mean, he's not the devil. Right. That's, I think that's pretty clear Mm -hmm. in the book. He talks about being alive for a really long time. And he's apparently done this many times and will continue to do it again, according right. to the epilogue. But there's also the explicit Cthulhu Lovecraft references, which I know I did not catch when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So is that just, you know, King's throwing this in there because it'll mess with people? Or what is going on here? Yeah, I wasn't really sure. And I, I don't know... I only know top level Lovecraft stuff. Yeah, I'm not like a you know big deep into it or anything. And I can't remember because he kept he kept referencing oh what was it? 
Like it was fields or the plains of Lang. Yes, I had to Google that. I didn't realize that was a Cthulhu reference, but like everything else, I didn't recognize. I Googled it when I got to it. Yeah, I did eventually because it was one of those where I was like, it has a great sound. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot, but then there was something about it that just and I'm not going to say it pinged memory, but I was like, I'm going to look this up. And when it came up, Lovecraft, I was totally not surprised. I don't know that it's necessarily. So I don't have, like, I treated it like flavoring Mm -hmm. or that he might be like just sort of adjacent. I think it's a good question. I have no idea what he's supposed to be. Maybe a demon, maybe a, but not like, it didn't feel like Christian theology or anything. So I just kind of was like, well, I put him, I guess, in like, archetypes too strong, but you know, like just one of those places where it's like, oh, okay. He's just a, a creature power who makes, you know, agreements and messes with people. So yeah, I had no idea. There were some cool details, I thought, you know, so there was just enough, like, I really liked the, uh, just that feeling of unease, like when people would touch him. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really thought that that was, it was a nice, consistent detail. And one of my favorite parts is just, like, the disparity between, like, the sort of surface level illusion and then, like, that sense of, of something awful, right, kind of going on. And the eye detail with those changing a lot, I thought that was pretty cool. But, yeah, I could never quite, quite nail it down. And I thought I started getting kind of irritated with the, the contracts. Mm-hmm. It felt... Not like, not quite a cheat, but it didn't feel smooth. And I suppose it might be because I was putting him in something that was really adjacent to like that classic sell your soul to the devil kind of thing. And I think my favorite parts a lot of times with those stories is like basically when you can like sort of lawyer your way out of it. And mm-hmm. I like that trickster thing. And I think that he sort of was doing a little bit more of like the Darth Vader, like run through, you know, like, like don't make me alter this deal again kind of thing, like changing. Oh that. yeah. He kept doing it to people. Yeah. And I think there was part of me that still balked. Cause I was like, I probably was like Brian Rusk. That isn't fair. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> World isn't fair. But. So did you have any like kind of ideas about Gaunt? Or? Uh, really, no. I mean, it, I don't think there's enough there to draw any kind of real conclusion. Uh, he, he could be a stand-in for pretty much anything you want as far as the, the evil that comes to town. And I, I guess if this is a satire, that's not a terrible thing. I mean, right. not to nail things down. You can, you can kill a great story by explaining things. Right. Yeah. So I think it's... Well, I think he was talking about it being like a uh, a satire of basically all the worst things of the 80s. So Really? Now, see, when you yeah. said he talks about it as a satire, yeah. a satire of the 80s is not what I would have guessed. Doesn't that make it worse? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so a lot of the notes that I took, and especially in the beginning, before mm-hmm. I started to think maybe he was doing this on purpose, mm-hmm. uh, was how much this little town feels like it's in, like, 1956. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, this kid... Now, obviously, when I was 14 or 15, I didn't read this with any kind of critical eye at all. You right. know, I just thought it was a cool book. But this kid is not a kid that I would have really recognized. Mm-hmm. And this town doesn't... And maybe this is what small town New England was like in the late 80s. But, I mean, you've got... <laughs> you've got what seems like an incredibly quaint religious argument going on over right. casino night. I mean, that is just... It, it almost feels ludicrous, except by the end, it's, you know, deadly to all the people that are involved. Right. 
But, I mean, if it's satire and you're making fun of, here's this thing that gets blown way out of proportion. I guess I could see that fitting in there. But, I mean, okay, so Lester, maybe? The coach? Oh, right. That guy who hangs out with his buddies and drinks a soda after work. Right. And, you know, you're just going to go get in the car and go see a football game on the weekend. That feels like, if not actually what happened in the 50s, like like a, a satire of a type of... Or basically a stereotype of a guy from the 50s. Yeah. And I think so. And I mean, I think that the, I would agree that, I think that it feels like you can't really pin it down in a time. It exists in that sort of, yeah, that strange king space, which sometimes seems to be really flavored with like 50s, 60s. I think that if it was a satire of 80s stuff, that that's really only, like it's, it would be the feelings. It would be the greed. It would be the consumerism. It would be a, a lot of that surface stuff, but I don't get any sense of it being like deliberate like this is the 80s and i can't remember any like pop culture references i know nothing about baseball but is sandy koufax is old right like- <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, when i was so i this kid is supposed to be 12 you know i'm not much older than him i knew the name sandy koufax but i wouldn't have cared you know i i rode a bike and collected baseball cards but it wasn't like i thought hey i'll go get a 1950s Sandy Koufax or 1960s or whatever it was. Yeah. And the, the foxtail, like mm-hmm. that, that seems like a really 50s maybe kind of thing. It's certainly Oh, not. yeah. It, it, it's, you know, Davy Crockett and, and tie the foxtail to your antenna on the car. And, uh, well, Ace Merrill in particular felt really like he was straight out of the 50s. You know, he's the hood that oh, never yeah. grew up and keeps calling people daddy-o and... Right. Well, that's an interesting thing. So when was, do you remember when The Body or Stand By Me was set? That was. It was set in the 50s, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so that has to be around that time, right? If Ace is just sort of grown up, so what might have been 2030? I think he's supposed to be in his 50s. Okay. Well, then, yeah, maybe it actually does fit. But you're right. He just, he doesn't let that go. Um, the stink bombs at the end. I mean, that feels like, you know... <laughs> You don't see that kind of thing happening anymore. Yeah. I got some axes to grind, so maybe before we get to that one. Oh, no, I I got some things to talk about, but yeah, please go ahead. All right. Well, I'm going to start then, um, if we're talking about introductions, with the frame, the prologue, (laughs) and the epilogue doesn't even I'm just going to call it a frame. Sure. I hated it. So much. And I really, again, I want to be the person who likes things. I did not like this at all. It's a good thing he's Stephen King because (laughs) it's one of those, you know, I know that they fuss about, like, you can't write a prologue. Well, in this case, maybe he shouldn't have. So those, the frame sections, they're in first person, right? I think they're second person, right? Because you're... I think ah. the reader is placed as sort of an unwilling auditor to this horrible tour guide. Yeah, so they're, they're second person, but there's definitely a narrator. Oh, there, yeah, right? yeah. So one thing, I, and I noticed that's, you know, the beginning and the end, but then I noticed one other spot. Okay, no, you're right. I, I was just, like, looking at it, and it is first person. It's just that there's the auditor in there. So I think I'm mostly stuck on that view. In Chapter 10, 
and this is, this is the only place I noticed this in the whole book, other than the prologue. There's oh, yeah? a first person in like the first three paragraphs. Oh, interesting. What is it? He's talking about um, other parts of Maine. And, you know, someone may know how or why so many wide places in the road ended up with such an exotic variety of names, but I do not. What I do know is that about 20 years ago, very good French chef, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. That is a really strong kind of narrative intrusion. I'm sort of used to it, I suppose, with with King, with all of the, like, parentheticals and the... Oh, I started reading this because I haven't read Stephen King in a while. But, the, you know, you get to the, the broken line with the parentheses in between. <laughs> and oh. Like, sometimes I love that, mm-hmm. that quirk. And sometimes, yeah, it just sort of stops the action in uh, such fierce ways. You know, and a lot of times I really do admire, you know, the way that he, like, character voice is so often, I think, like, really wonderful. And that's why I guess I'm going back to that. I'm not letting that prologue thing go. It was awful mm-hmm. because it was so, it was folksy in the worst possible way and just so many cliches. And I know you can sort of, but no, no, that's my character talking. Those, like, the Carter has liver pills and Hector was a pup. I recognize (laughs) them, but they are not. uh, And I think you just add, I just started listing cliches, like, after a while. And I just, that's not someone that I want to listen to. And if it were interesting, I could say, oh, there's an interesting character choice or something. It is the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. And... I know intellectually, probably like what's being done, it didn't mean I liked it. And I think I wrote in all caps at one point, I do not care about any of these people. It did make me think about one thing. I learned one thing about myself as I was reading that, which is I think I figured out I don't remember names until someone this is fierce, but matters to me if I have some kind of actual connection. I'm not one of those people that remembers thoughtful details. I'm like, until there's actually some kind of, of a connection, and it happens with characters. And I did not remember a single person. I know he's setting it up. I know, you know, I know exactly what he's doing. I did not want to continue. And had I not been doing this reread for this, <laughs> I would have skipped it because I think that that. The opening chapter is such a, it's so much stronger. Did you have strong feelings about the problem? I didn't really. I mean, uh, I, I don't really think it's anything interesting. I probably would have enjoyed it more if I had read anything Castle Rock in the last you know, mm. 15 years or whatever. Um, but yeah, the zoom in as he's describing everything. I, you're absolutely right. He should have just jumped right into chapter one. And, you know, I'm going to give Stephen King all the advice I want to give him. He's not Aaron Elizabeth. to this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think that is another thing because we've already talked about this book being a doorstop. Do you think anybody was editing Stephen King at this point? I would be super surprised. Uh, yeah. Or I'm going to guess that the power relationship between editor and writer has to be so much different than anything I would, you know, experience. And... Yeah, I mean, it found an audience, you know, oh, certainly. Uh, but I just think that there's certain things like that that I would have advised against it. And perhaps someone did. And <laughs> he's, you know, and honestly, there is that part of me that it's like, if I'm like, yes, I would look forward to it, like, I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> but also maybe think of all the times that I've kind of shrugged and said, you know, maybe I'm like, try to 
try to remember what's happening. Because, yeah, I think all of this stuff, he's a good writer. He could have gotten that exposition in there in much more entertaining ways. You could establish that there's all kinds of things in this nice little small town that are behind, you know, beneath the surface. We could learn about the the trouble between the Baptists and the Catholics and the this. He does it, you know, in the in the actual story. And I think that the payoff, which really isn't a payoff at all with that bookend, you could have done it. I think in a way that we didn't have to listen to a second tedious voice. <laughs> uh, you know, you could have, you could have said, yes, he moves on and even had the, you know, the new, the new shop. He could have done it better. I was really irritated about it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I just looked down and I saw my note. This definitely takes its time getting going. It does. And so down with the prologue. There was, I mean, I think there were a couple places where, uh, and again, he could have done it elsewhere, but it's the, Secrets can and are kept in Castle Rock, but you have to work mighty hard to do it. And most of us know it's been a long time, you know, like those kinds of things, like where you start getting into those moments. He's talking about Hugh Priest, but I mean, it's just those little things where it's like, ah, you know, when like those little statements of theme, you know, what's going to happen. I think that there's some nice sounding lines here or there, but I think it's done so much, so much better elsewhere. One of the things I took note of is just how much of a product of this time it, it, this book is, which of course it has to be. But even in chapter one, uh, Brian's mom is watching soaps and on the phone all day. And mm-hmm. like, these are things that are almost entirely gone. I mean, there are people that are on the phone all day, you know, right. but the idea of having a landline phone that one person is using constantly, you know, just sitting yeah. on the couch with the princess phone, watching soaps. I mean, I think there's still a few soaps, but it, it's definitely not like it used to be. It feels like something now that is as far away as the 50s were when this was written. True. Or so many people don't, I think, like even watch it live. There's no that, that urgency, like, don't you interrupt my stories, right? <laughs> it's like, that's fine. I'll watch it whenever, you know, because it's, it's streaming, not a problem. And um, yeah, you don't get any time, right? I think there were a number of point, points where I think it was, you know, information needed to be communicated. And now, right, it's almost instantaneously. And of course, you'd be sending texts or you'd take a video or, you know, like, like whatever, like phones would be out and recording all of this stuff. So yeah, I think... So it probably couldn't be, couldn't be written or you'd have to work really hard to like get that out of there. But I had enough memory. I think I've lived in towns that have been small enough that like so much of that like feels real that, oh, someplace new is. And I mean, even to, you know, even now, right? Well, our city isn't, you know, particularly large, but I wouldn't like put it as in like a tiny, a tiny town. And yet there's still the, Oh, there's going to be a new place that's opening up. And I loved that, that just that great moment of people. And uh, that whole like situation where you talked about like the, the unspoken rules of etiquette as to how you approach that, that isn't my experience, but I loved that detail. It felt really real. Uh, I think that Danforth Buster Keaton Mm-hmm. is such a Stephen King type. I mean, how many of these books have the guy who's got some small measure of power that is just the worst human, but will do anything to keep his tiny little square of yeah. the world? And sadly, that is one, you know, that it's always felt like some of the more real, or at least like sure. that sort of like, you know, like where your ire can be perfectly placed. Oh, I've had managers. Sure. <laughs> Exactly. I've been on committees. I know exactly what that is. Uh, And 
I can't remember specifically where it is, but it was shamefully late in the game. It might have been in the early 300s where I finally understood Buster King. <laughs> This ridiculous moment where I'm like, oh, and I think it was just because I would read Danforth or Buster and I never made the the switch. Uh, I mean, Buster Keaton is awesome. So I, but (laughs) I don't, uh, so I don't, but yeah, he's a terrible character. I think that one of the things that I made a special note out of was that when I read it, I would almost guarantee, because this has been a a theme in my life where I really don't have any sympathy for rich business people, and I kind of put Danforth in there, Uh, but I think that as an adult, one of the moments that I felt most keenly was honestly, I had so much sympathy for Myrtle, his wife. Mm-hmm. And there was a section, and it was just this small line, and there's no way that when I first read this that it would have resonated in the same way. And I think it was basically about her not understanding something about finances and just sort of realizing like just how how thin like that line of survival really is. And so, uh, and I'll, I'll have to fish around. I should have organized better, but it really was one of those moments where I, I was like, Oh, like, and again, like as a, as a kid or as a young person, you know, I don't know. I mean, certainly I would feel bills or economic pressures, but I think maybe because I wasn't married mm-hmm. and while I'm ha- very happy to say that my, my husband and I do not have that kind of dysfunctional relationship. I do think that there's something about like the safety of that partnership and then just seeing like the violation of it in that way, which I think perfectly sets up so that when you find, you know, when he does turn violent, when you get those moments, I just really, I don't know, for some reason, I just really really felt like I was pulling for Myrtle. I knew she was doomed. She's, oh yeah. She's one of the most likable people in the book. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she makes her own bargain with uh, Mr. Gaunt. I don't remember even what she got. Maybe oh, she got a right. doll. I don't, yes. know, I don't know what she had to so. do. I mean, it, it's not like she's intended to be the pure character. That's not touched by Mr. Gaunt, but still gets destroyed by him. But yeah, it, she's, she's one of the most likable for sure. Yeah, I did find that uh, it just was the thought that Danforth might have plundered the T-bills, which were their life savings, never occurred to her. Mm-hmm. Likewise, the knowledge that Keaton Chevrolet was tottering on the edge of extinction belonged to him alone. She balanced the checkbook and the house accounts. He was a CPA. And I thought there was just something about like just the that level of like sort of trust. And probably when I was younger, I imagined you would be like, what an idiot. Why wasn't she paying attention? Or maybe I wouldn't have even like paid any attention to it at all. But I just thought that uh, it was, yeah, I just said that it just seems like that's another like way that uh, the story, the narrative will sort of show how fragile I think like our, our lives and existence are. Uh, and yeah, just that precarious balance. And I think that that's one of the things where those tiny little things, it's like, just look at how little a push it took to make all of this completely tumble down and I guess it was uh yeah so I don't know how we do this but I said I think when I was young I kind of got like because I think like it feels terrifying as an adult and I said I think when I was young I kind of got it but probably mostly concentrated on what a fuckwit buster is and I imagine (laughs) and now I'm like so much about his wife that I I really have a problem with him on so many different levels um 
I mean, even though I think there's probably other people who are pretty terrible, but I th- he's got to be the worst, doesn't he? You think Buster's the worst? See, that's a good question. It's tough, because then you've got Hugh Priest, who thinks, you know, I really should have run that kid down when I had the chance. <laughs> okay, yeah, that is pretty bad. I guess that just seems like ridiculous, like, knee-jerk petty cruelty. I mean, he is the one that killed the dog. Yes. Which I yeah, was- that's, I mean... That's you, there's no coming back from that. No, right. And just now trying to think of who's the worst. There's also the is it the middle school principal? Yes. Which is so bad on so many levels. Yes. Does that open up another avenue of discussion? We can talk about. I don't know if you want to go there now. Anything. Okay. I don't have any plan. All right. <laughs> All right, we'll just jump around because he is indeed terrible. But also, I hated that so much. If you had even a little... I hate the, oh, look, gay, pedophile. That is the worst. And there is no like decent queer representation anywhere in this. And, oh. Let me ask you a question. As you were reading this, you sent me a text. <laughs> And it said, from yesterday's reading notes, again, and I can't stress this enough, fuck you. <laughs> Is that about this character? Uh, no. Oh, I really uh, thought it might be. I was no. trying to figure it out as I was reading the book. Yes. I had, so that was, that goes, I guess, along there with three sort of main big problems that I had. Um, just sort of a side thing. One is that um, that character of the principal and whoever, who is it? It's Frank Jewett and is it Henry Bone? No, George Nelson. George, yeah. George Nelson. So when they have that exposed uh, thing, that was just, it was awful. Yeah. And um, I just, but it was like just sort of a, I hated this. And it it just felt so cheap. And it was just, so I hated that a lot. Oh, I absolutely hated it. And I, I took the same kind of note that, I mean, there's no queer representation in this book that's not completely stereotype and terrible stereotype. Yeah. But also, you know, it's almost 30 years old. I am not surprised that there's no representation in this book. True. Yeah. Um, so even if you're going, well, you know, context, and then I know you're not forgiving it in any way. No, not at uh, all. But, but it, I, I also don't think, because I, I, I haven't read Stephen King's new stuff. I don't know how well mm-hmm. he does queer representation now. Ooh, I'm trying to think. I don't think he does a lot, but I could be wrong. I, I'd be surprised if he was right. good at it. I think that it was interesting that it came off just on the heels, I think, of some people like being upset about, uh, I think it was the, the second, like the It movie, mm-hmm. you know, where that kind of came out. And so some of that conversation like starts up again. Uh, so it was one of those where I was angry when I read it and I was disgusted because I thought it's just, even without it, that, it just felt lazy. Like you couldn't have found <laughs> a better like Lazy secret. is such a good word for this book but uh, yeah on, on a number of levels right it, yeah absolutely in this case yeah the second one it should not surprise me there is absolutely zero reason why he has to drop the n-word as much as he does correct uh so i was really you know so there's a lot of expletives that i have put in there you know because again um just yeah no no reason you could clearly you could communicate that the person is a racist in so many other ways 
in more creative, interesting ways. So I hated that. Agreed. But my main thing, and so the I cannot stress this enough, fuck you, is, and I've noticed this in other King's work, I think that um, at least is, I don't know about he himself, but I think as a narrative, um, Stephen King uh, treats fat people really, really badly. Yeah. And I believe that this particular one <laughs> was of many... Um, where just from the beginning, of course, the characterization of uh, Brian's mother mm-hmm. and that the whatever her friend is, that whole thing. I think <laughs> that was really bad. But it, oh, it was just and it's just an aside. It's her cheekbones were clearly defined for the first time since high school when she, uh, she had decided her mission in life was to eat every yodel and ding dong and hoodsy rocket in the world. And I just, you know, and that was on top of just so much other stuff. And um, I don't think... I think there's a particularly bad thing for women, uh, but I think men too. And it just always seems to be that classic, like that is a moral failing. And ugh, so, yeah, I was over it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, there are so many characters in this book. It <laughs> almost feels like he's going for the easiest thing to remember in the easiest way yeah. to to just pull the emotional strings and not giving a fuck, right? Yeah. 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 If I look at the, the note about uh, the, uh, the Jew, uh, yeah, Frank, Frank and George, mm-hmm. uh, was in all caps, oh, hell no, WTF. There, these, uh, yeah, this is some weak sauce homophobic BS. Maybe if there was decent queer rep anywhere else, but no, and I won't count the number of O's. Um, and then I think it got worse as it went on. But yeah, that was that was my note there. Sorry for reading those about, but no, that was my gut. Like, <laughs> I mean, as opposed to the things I was shouting in the room. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think that there is a lot, and that's where I'm wondering if the. I mean, I've seen like lazy things happen before, but I'm almost wondering if this is well, it's satire. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, I think you can point to a lot of things that say maybe he was aiming at that, mm-hmm. um, and part of it is uh, this gay character that's a pedophile, that's the middle mm-hmm. school principal that looks like Mister Weatherby from the Archie comics, right? And you've got just every so many of the things that go wrong that set people off are tiny little things, right? But some of them do go back to that characterization like, this only matters if you still think it's 1955. That is a good point. I don't think it works as satire. Um, I think he really wants it to. Yeah. Otherwise, it just reads as a really bad novel. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. uh, I don't think Stephen King is funny. Like, I don't think he's... I mean, he can't... There's funny moments sometimes. Mm-hmm. There's moments of comedy. I do not think that his strengths and are, are humor. And no? satire is such a fine line. Right? And it's just... I don't think it... I don't think it works at all. And so, I guess when I read that, I thought it was interesting. I was like, well, maybe that's what you're going for. But the exaggeration, it does come off as as lazy, um, as just character caricatures. And I don't know. It just was... Not now. We should maybe say we were both excited to read this. Oh yeah, we both had good memories of it. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) sure. Did not expect to trash this book. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised at how much (laughs) of it I really, really disliked. 
So there's a couple things, Mm -hmm. just little bits from the book. I took a few notes. Okay. Um, One of them was Alan's brief message on his business card. Do you remember that? I do not remember that. So, I mean, picture a business card, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to write a brief note on it. Yes. Here's the brief note. Dear Mr. Gone, I dropped by Saturday morning to say hello and welcome you to town. Sorry to have missed you. Hope you're enjoying Castle Rock. I'll drop by again on Monday. Maybe we could have a cup of coffee. If there's anything I can do for you, my numbers, home and office, are on the other side. Alan Pangborn. Right. He must have, like, the most (laughs) crazy, like, what is that? That's, like, 0.8, like, in terms of font, like, the the tiniest. Yeah. (laughs) And I know it's such a small detail. But it completely threw me out of this book. I mean, right. we were talking about Stephen King being funny. That made me laugh. Okay, that, that was pretty amazing. And I can't decide if I want it to be like super small print or if it's just like he's that guy. And if I have to be, I'm like, my business card is an index card because I'm that important. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah so much of it was was just ridiculous. But I, I think there are some moments... So I, Alan Pangborn, perfectly serviceable, I guess, protagonist. Uh, I didn't like him at all. What uh, the fuck's up with the close-up magic? I mean, come on. Okay. (laughs) Who would ever trust a sheriff that did that? (laughs) Right? I think it's just... It's just weird enough that I think this time around I enjoyed it. Again, I had like those phantom memories of mm-hmm. thinking that was such garbage. Like, and I'm going to guess that's probably some of the stuff that would make me nope out of it. Like in the, the beginning, I think that I sort of liked it because it was so weird. And then it set up like that ridiculous climax where, you know, it's like, <laughs> but also though, I mean, I'm not dexterous. But can you can you make shadows like with your hands like that? If you have ten fingers, I don't think so. Okay. I think you probably need a few more than most people have. Yeah, I mean, I've seen cool. I mean, if you do cutouts and shadows, but sure. that just doesn't. So yeah, I thought that was ridiculous. I do enjoy. Um, and okay, it's probably because I've written like one of those where it's like, oh, you know, if belief, like you can make weird things in belief, sure. like work in your favor. And I mean, it was seated throughout, but I do have a question because it looked like, was this linked to something that happened in the dark half? Clearly something about the sparrows flying. Was. Oh, maybe. I mean, there were birds in that. Okay. There were birds and there was a, you know, the evil side of the author had a really cool car. That's about all I remember. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I thought that there might have been time. I'm not saying it was perfect, but I do think at that point, maybe I just liked it. It was like, this is something different. Or maybe it was like, oh, this is the signal that it's going to end. Because, <laughs> yeah, he just didn't he just didn't stand out. And it's probably why I forgot him. I think Polly was okay. I think I started to get really annoyed because I felt like, why is Alan the only person in this town that has the wherewithal to say no? And I, I just started to get really annoyed. I think eventually, the, does the deputy like resist? And no. Polly resists. No, the deputy goes and gets his, uh, his fishing rod. Okay. 
Yeah. It just, so at some point I was, okay. Like, so everything else is, or they might like have like little motions, but then they, they couldn't. And I just, I guess I started to feel weak because, and maybe it's because there was nothing special or interesting. I thought about Alan necessarily. And I don't think like, it doesn't have to be, it started to feel chosen one, but in like a boring way. Like if he was trying to say something like, you know, you could just be a regular person with nothing, but still like find some, some will or something, but, but no. So I thought that that was kind of tedious. So I think the character that, cause I'm a sentimental sucker, Nettie. Yes. So Nettie. The dog owner. Is, yes. And I thought that even though I'm sure it was a deliberate play in your heartstrings, I'm like, yes, please make me feel something. That would be great. <laughs> and so like just some of those moments, you know, like that whole scene where, you know, I think like Polly and I don't remember who else was in there, but I think they're looking at it. They're really pulling for Nettie mm-hmm. to be brave enough to go into it. Of course, you know, nice irony where you're saying, that, no, don't go in there. It's terrible. But, oh, it's such, you know, so great that she's making that progress. And then just having that and then have it all just be so destroyed. Um, so, I mean, of course, once she's dead, you know, a lot of, I think... My interest or something. I mean, I knew it was inevitable. I mean, yeah. Especially since Wilma mm-hmm. was crazy. I'm trying to remember. Cause I, oh, she I was looked, terrible. Yeah. Um, I looked this up on TV tropes, and I wish that I had taken better notes because I think that it, it said something about that there's a, a trope. Ooh, I might have it, actually. And I think they called it... You took so much better notes than I did. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> occupational hazard, right? Yes. Blood Knight. I had not heard this phrase before. Okay. So now I'm enchanted, which is, and I would totally agree with what they say, which is Wilma is the, I think it's a small town housewife version of this, and the Blood Knight lives for war and fighting. <laughs> and I was like, sure. Yes. Yes, she does. And. Yeah, she, I think they said she ultimately becomes the full version of this trope after coming to believe that Nettie has thrown rocks at her house. And I was like, yes. So just sort of seeing that. So, you know, if you are going to like, yeah, Nettie was doomed from the start. If that's who was after her, I did not expect her husband. Oh, he was great. That amazing. Oh, maybe you should just have a nice cup of tea or whatever it was. You know, relax a little bit. Yes. Think about it, and then do it in the morning if you still want to. Yes. Yeah. So that. So there are moments, right? Like of those kinds of surprises yeah. that I loved because I, I thought that it turned things a little bit. It gave this person who I think initially like just seemed like this brow beaten, you know, sort of thing, some amount of like, yeah. Like something that I think Myrtle never got. Right. Right. I mean, Absolutely. So I did. I thought that that was really fun. There are those moments. I did feel for, for Nettie. And I think one of the things that I've always loved about um, Stephen King is like that to make us care about like characters who have done terrible things. And I know that it's, I mean, it's so stereotypical because of course she was abused and then you get like, you know, and kind of, goes but you know what like sometimes i'm like yes get the abuser and yeah i i like that and i thought that she was just sweet and it was probably like she you know conquered all of those fears and stuff like that to go help polly right like that friendship that loyalty it was just so great and so 
if I remember this at all, I imagine that I will remember that Leland Gaunt is a really cool name for a villain. Yeah. And that, um, and I might remember Nettie because uh, I uh, really liked that. There are, I think, there are a lot of things that I, I don't know, admired might be a skosh too much. Okay. But they're just little turns. Mm-hmm. And they're not subtle, I guess. But one of the things that I think was really great was just so many of just the uses of just a, a simple line that announces that things are going to go horribly. We know because we're reading a Stephen King book, it's going to happen. But there's just... <laughs> okay, so just a second. No, no, no. We know that, yeah. but Polly's Aunt Evie does not know that she's in a Stephen King novel. Because she says, we bury them, meaning the dead, and buried they stay. So, yeah, these people have no idea what's in store for them. Please continue. Yeah, no, that's that's a true fact. No, it's just like some of those things, and it might be something as simple as, you know, like, um, well, Brian, you know, you anything could happen. You know, and you're, yes, Brian, anything can happen if you go into this, this store. Uh, but I think sometimes it's just like those small things where it might be like, and I don't remember the specific line. I don't even know if it matters, but it's something like, that's the last time we saw Nettie. You're yeah. like, and then Nettie goes home, and you, you're prepped, and you know, and I think in a long tome like this I need those moments to know something's going to happen and it's just a small thing but it's just for me so effective and I liked those turns and you know I'm a sucker for things like I loved the sign Oh, that he kept turning with all the the different things that he would put out there. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You know, so like sometimes like just those tiny moments work so well. Mm -hmm. And I I like those little phrases. And and every once in a while, like a little pyrotechnics, I'm in terms of just like format or whatever, uh, I really enjoy. And I mean, it is the one where we talk about uh, Hugh Priest. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, so it's dovetailed with something super gross, which is like, I'm not going to be the person who's going to get like, I'm not going to clutch my pearls over the fact that kids might like, you know, have crushes and they might turn to something, but I'm sorry. Like the long daydream of him making out with his teacher, I was kind of like, ugh, gross. Um, But then they do that. And so it's the, he has that moment and then she leans in or goes back or whatever like that. And then it's like, it's the line breaks and it's like, and she says, and it's like, you don't kill me. I'll kill you. And I'm a sucker. I'm easy. Like, whatever. Like, I just thought those kind of moments, I mean, because they seemed like they weren't every other page, Mm -hmm. I could be really entertained. And just as someone who likes to write, I'm like, you know what? Like, life goal. At some point in time, I just want to do that. And I don't care if people can eye roll it. I'll just be like, this one's for me. And maybe they'll actually like it. But I just think that 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 would be be really fun. One of the things that I really liked um, is the... And it, it's, I, I still think it's pretty cool. It, it's the the person who gets an item thinks it's exactly what they want, but everybody mm-hmm. else can see that it is nothing of value. Yes. You know, the, the baseball card that's not Sandy Koufax, that's some relief pitcher with a name kind of like Sandy Koufax. Yeah. And the, the, the foxtail that, you know, for one person is this beautiful object of desire, mm-hmm what he's wanted since he was a kid. And for everybody else, it's this ratty moldering piece of crap. Yeah. Uh, and that's, everybody gets that. I, I don't think I, okay. So nearly everybody gets that. Polly's is not like that because Polly's is different from everybody else. Right. Uh, Polly's is the cure, but it's also got a monster inside of it. Yes. And nobody else can, it's not like anybody else can just look at, oh, she's got this little necklace and it's, you know, it's this terrible thing. It's not what she actually wanted. Or 
even better is when it gets to the point where they realize what they've got is crap. Yes. And the guy realizes that he doesn't have a, you know, the fancy fishing rod. He just has this crappy old bamboo pole. Yeah. And everything that they've done. And I mean, you know, if, if I was Leland Gaunt sowing chaos, that would be the most sweet part where you make the person who's done this horrible thing realize they've done it for nothing. Yes. And that was, yeah, so delicious. I thought so well done. And I like the fact that it was layered because I'm pretty sure that like a lot of times we start getting that feeling that like they might think that they need this thing or they want this thing. And we can see that it's not, I mean, that it's costing them, right? Like things that are really valuable. Um, yes, you're spending all this time with like Magic Elvis, but your kid, <laughs> right? What a heartbreaker, God, right? Elvis. you know like you you're not paying attention to your children right right? i mean just the devastation like brian and brian's brother oh my goodness again like i thought super powerful super tragic uh they they take a different route in the movie because they could i and i don't blame them honestly (laughs) because uh yeah like just too it was too much uh and it was it was a heartbreaking and a shocking kind of kind of moment oh i certainly didn't remember that that kid killed himself i did not remember that either and i think that that would have been sad enough but then just to like let's just layer it on which is to have that you know his brother and that if king was taking editorial notes that almost feels like the thing (laughs) where like wait steve don't you think you could kick this up another notch like who how, who else can really be involved in this? It's like, oh yeah. Well, yeah. We'll we'll put a little brother in there, He's right? Just scarred for life. Yes, yes. And on every turn, right? He sees his brother there, and he's basically abandoned by. Yeah, the like, father's completely absent. Uh, uh, yeah, and then, I don't think he's in the book at all. He doesn't even show up at the hospital. They say he's going to come, but he never appears. Right. I think you're exactly right. So you have that whole, and then she's clearly uh, like compromised. But you know, so we can see, right? Like clearly, you're pouring your energies into like just the exact wrong thing and then when you get so you're like oh yeah we can see this and we can see how and when it turns dark and you know Gaunt comes in and starts messing with their perfect visions and everything and then when we do see and then that makes that I think that reveal of like and this is garbage like what are you doing so much so much better I still found some satisfaction in like just I think the idea of the cause and effect mm-hmm. I didn't remember the particular details. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they were unsatisfying, but there was something, and I don't even know if I had particular memories. I think it's like the, you fill it in and you're like, it was pretty cool. Yes. And I'm like, well, I mean, kind of. I didn't think it was cool. And one of the big problems I had was when the guns come into it. Oh, yes. Yep. That just seems like the laziest way to finish a book that's way too long already. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to read any more of this, so I, you know, I'm not that upset. But it, it just seems like, oh, this will cut to the chase on all of these stories mm-hmm. where, you know, I, I don't have the time or the energy or the inclination to naturally play out everything that's going to happen with them. I'm going to give them a gun to short circuit to the end of it. Yeah, I hated that part. It undercut so much of the others. And I think, and that's where again, I'm wondering. You know, did we think that that was satirical? I think at some point in time, did I say that it made me think of some of that, like made me think of that scene in like Kingsman? I don't know if you've seen that I'm movie. Not. All right. Yeah, I wouldn't bother. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. Uh, but there's like just that it's this kind of 
ridiculous, like over the top rampage. And I think it was probably during like the big street fight. Mm-hmm. But I think even some of it just like, yeah, the gun stuff just changes things uh, in fairly boring ways. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think it was an escalation. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not just that they're guns, right? They're guns with poison bullets. <laughs> so even if somebody's a bad marksman and they just graze you, you still die. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, it felt, it felt cheap. And I didn't think it was saying anything. I mean, I was trying to like stretch a little bit. And I'm like, I don't think it makes any kind of commentary over uh, violence or gun culture or really anything. So I just, uh, just tedious. Uh, I guess I was more okay with the, like, let's, let's blow up the place with <laughs> dynamite or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the gun stuff, I just, I just wasn't into. Now, I don't know if you, if you found anything like this, I didn't really go back and look for it after I was done. Cause I was kind of done with this book when I got to the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I do remember this being the last Castle Rock story. Mm-hmm. I, why? I mean, do, do, was there? Do you know why Kings is like you know Castle Rock? I'm done with that. Uh, I I've leaned on it as a crutch. I want to do other things. I mean, right. was it because it is so completely destroyed? I mean, I think he's gone back to it since. Like he's written a couple short stories or something, but I, I haven't really yeah. kept up. But, I mean, the town is destroyed. Nearly everybody is dead. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I tried to do, like, some research to see. Uh, and it was you know, it was pretty shoddy research. Uh, so I didn't see. I mean, I would kind of guess that... So there was a moment in this book. and Oh, it was with Ace. And it was describing his cocaine use. Mm-hmm. And he had this, and I'm trying to find it because it was like describing it. Was it like, it was something like bananas. It was this really weird sensory detail that I found fascinating. And where is it? Like the kind of thing you would have to have done cocaine to yes, know. Yes, that was exactly it. So I was like, wait a second. And I'd had this, I'm like, wait a second. I do kind of remember. Yes, his head filled with that vague banana lemon taste that really good cocaine <laughs> always seemed to have. And you're exactly right. Where I'm, like That was the moment where I stopped and went, yeah, Stephen King did have a substance abuse problem, didn't he? You know, you're like, click, 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 click. And it's like, oh, yes. And so then I, this was his first book that he had written after he'd gone to rehab. Okay. And so I do not know, but I shall, I shall lean back into my armchair and say that perhaps, you know, if you're like, um, this new chapter, right? I'm going to kind of do this. Yeah. Maybe you just blow up the old stuff and then just kind of, kind of go back to the new. Or maybe it was just, well, I got this playground that I've been building forever. <laughs> like, oh, let's mess it up even more. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that. I mean, again, I guess it's not something that I've really dealt with much, right? Like, so maybe you do get tired of it. Maybe if everyone expects like the Castle Rock callback that you're like, I'm done with that. Well, that kind of, the, the kind of constant reference from one work to another work that get I mean, you use the word web a couple of times and mm-hmm. it really does get to be like that. And keeping track of all those things that you've done. Sure. I mean, I, I imagine there were there was a file cabinet filled with this Probably. stuff. Probably, yeah. And maybe an assistant or two who, you know, had to read this stuff and go, oh, well, yeah, but over here you said this and over here you said that. And, yeah, know. I bet. I mean, wasn't there people that were like, especially for like gunslinger stuff? 
or um, I'm sorry, like Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought there was many people that would done like the Concordance or whatever. But oh yeah, there's there's annotations much. and stuff. Yeah. Yes, I can't really decide like how I think like with all of those references. I mean, I guess it's like you give a little bit of like what people might potentially want, or maybe that's a reinforcing like we are done. I mean, I remember being fond of the the setting. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, I mean, everyone knows that like a lot of his stuff happens in Maine, and I'm fine with that. I, you know, like that landscape. I think that it's that it's interesting. But I think we, yeah, we started you know the discussion. I think a little bit with like, yeah, but I mean, I didn't remember much of it. So like any kind of emotional like impact, you know, even if there weren't other Castle Rock stories, I don't think that I would really have cared about it. I care more about Derry and it than I do about Castle Rock. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know I read way more stuff because I think it might be the only thing said in Derry. But I, you know, I remember that town and I remember, you know, the the little pieces of it and how it, you know, gets destroyed. And right. I, I remember the kids and the school and all this stuff. So it's probably not even a school. And I'm probably misremembering that. Oh, no, no, there was. They, they were there was there was a school. Right. Um, they have some scenes with them being um, but they were it was like let out for summer. But there were a couple scenes there. But there was like the public library. I mean, so, yeah, there were a lot of those buildings. Uh, and if I'm remembering correctly, I'm trying to remember the name of the title, uh, but it's like. It's his. It's the time travel one with the Kennedy assassination, like November eleven twenty two sixty three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that there's a section there that has dairy in it. Yeah. Um, but just you know, little. So I mean, you know, he's still doing like the the callbacks and the. Well, that's. I mean, so much of what he does is reference, mm-hmm. and not just like self referential stuff, but you know, he gives you the pop culture bits in there, even if they're horribly outdated. One of the ones that I wrote down was uh, Chief J. Strongbow. Do you know who Chief J. Strongbow is? I do not. Okay. Chief J. Strongbow uh, is a wrestler. Oh, okay. Uh, shockingly, I recognize the reference. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm going to show you a picture of Chief J. Strongbow here. Okay. Would you expect this guy to be a Native American? No. No, no. He's uh, he's somebody who likes to dress up, you know, or he was, okay. rather. You know, there's a, probably a better picture of him there. Okay, he looks slightly less like Telly Savalas there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Old reference. There we go. Yeah. Uh, but that was um, Wilma mentions him as. Uh, oh, like she a, would leave her husband for? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Just show me the picture again. <laughs> I mean, he does look like he'd be super fun at parties. <laughs> Okay, we're doing the worst thing, which is like, hello, we're in an audio, would you look at that? But um, yeah, that is ridiculous. Um, but you do get the pleasure, you're like, okay, when you recognize it. Just to go, so the web thing, right? Like some of mm-hmm. my favorite parts, I'm just going to pop back to that for a moment. Yeah. Because I think I still love the idea of it. I think that I pinpointed just now, and that's why I wanted to say something, which is I think what I had had problems with and I think that in my memory, I had thought that they were all of these small moves that no one would know, mm-hmm. like why that would set someone off so that it would be something that would be perfectly innocent that you would do. And it would be like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. 
And then you, but you would never know like the backstory of it. So I think it was like in my memory, it had become much more subtle so that it would be like saying something about like how little you know someone, even if you spend a lot of time with them or there was something about that. Um, that sounds like it'd be a great book. Right? Which is right. You know, but I just, so I thought that, I think that that was my memory of it. And so I thought it's this delicately balanced thing. But really, most of the things, and I know he even characterizes it as a prank, and mm-hmm. they really do feel like pranks. And and it was just, just so like overt. And I guess it, it may get into the like, well, I want this enough to do that. But there was nothing I thought that like smearing mud on someone's sheets. I mean, clearly, you're not going to know, you know, that that's going to lead to what it does. Right. But it's still clearly something that's wrong. And maybe if someone had had the chance to back out. But there was also that, like, it felt like maybe they were sort of under, under that spell. So there was very little, it felt like, of that sort of free will moment. or uh, So it just felt a little too engineered. And I guess that that part of it, it didn't become nearly as interesting. I still liked the, like, okay, who's going to... I mean, they, And they set it up, I thought, like, I don't remember it being quite as adversarial. I think I had, like, in my memory, like, put an intervening thing where it would be like, oh, you know, character A does something to character C, mm-hmm. but it doesn't come to fruition unless, like, character E comes in and does this. Instead, it's pretty much like um, Hugh Priest versus the bartender, versus, you know, and Wilma and um, Nettie. And, you know, so I, I didn't. Yeah, that just wasn't as much fun. So, yeah, in my memory, it was way cooler <laughs> than what had actually happened. I still love the name of the novel. I love the name of the shop. Needful Things is really cool. I just have a lot of notes about how everything feels so old-fashioned. And, I mean, I, mean, I guess that's part of it. Like, I think almost everything, I mean, you can make the argument for Polly's item as well, but everything is, is basically nostalgia is what he's selling these people. So... I, I, this note I took is on page 459, which is about the two-thirds point of okay. this book. Um, this is, the school nurse just lets a kid walk home. Is this place stuck in the 50s? And that's where it kind of started to go, maybe he's doing all of this on purpose. So maybe he right. really did try to construct this as a satire. And, I mean, we've both talked about how it's not really successful in that respect. But everything that gets sold is nostalgia, um, and everything feels like it is from, you know, at this point, 30 years before. Yeah. Like, this town is stuck there, and if they weren't stuck there, maybe Leland Gaunt couldn't have done this to them. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting, Uh, and maybe that... Because I don't mind, like, if it were sort of a place that felt like it wasn't quite, like, right in time, I think if there were, like, maybe motives or something or, like, consequences that felt more modern, it would not be a big deal. But I think as you're saying, like, some of that stuff about, like, my girl or my, you know, or the bingo night Mm -hmm. or something. um, I mean, I know that if I'm remembering correctly, I mean, it seems like a lot of Stephen King books really do like to sort of poke fun at the ridiculous religious people like we're making people making religious people ridiculous i'm trying to think of how many um like people who have faith actually i I think sometimes they do sometimes they're okay like uh salem's lot or because i've only read that once but um when the the priest comes back in the dark tower books right i mean that faith is actually important Uh, yeah 
And that makes sense. And it's probably like different things. There's like difference between like people who have faith and then people who are like looking for other things like within the church, like the power or the prestige or like abusing those sorts of things or pushing your morality on other people. I think is a, and I am certainly open, you know, I mean, I'm sympathetic, right. To like that sort of, sort of criticism. But yeah, I do think like a lot of that feels, feels weird in fifties and yeah, there's some just odd bits there. And the nostalgia, that is interesting, because he really is, in a lot of times, like, he's selling the same thing, except maybe, maybe Buster's. Sure. But I think you could still make an argument that that's, like, back to when he might feel good. But or... that's how I was thinking with Polly's, you know, like, she, he's selling her the feeling of what it was like before she got old. And she was not even really that old before she got arthritis. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yep. I think that that makes total sense. But the other ones, it just seems like sort of... So what do you think about the baseball card? I was just thinking about that because this kid's only 12 years old. I mean, he doesn't have nostalgia, but I, I, I could have this completely wrong. But I think the baseball card was wrapped up in memories with his dad. That's it. And his dad seemed to, again, we said he seemed absent if maybe not like, because yeah, he, he will be coming to the hospital. He will be. And doesn't, I'm trying to think, I think it's probably another thing. It's like how quickly that went sour, right? Because doesn't Brian, he gets the card and he's super excited about it. And doesn't he like have that brief fantasy of like, I'm going to talk to my dad yeah. and we're going to have this great moment. And I think maybe that was one of the times where I, I'm not sure why, but there was that term because I think it was like he gets home and then there's like that. I don't know how you characterize it because it was that that well, no one can see it. I have to hide it and protect it. Right, because his dad's going to say, "Well, where'd you get the money for this? Yeah. You know, you you had to have done something different because nobody sells this card for thirty five cents or whatever it was." So that detail kind of worked, but there was sometimes where I just sort of struggled with that immediately, and I don't know what I wanted out of the text, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I wanted it to be like sort of a gradual deterioration, but he immediately became like super protective and weird about it. Um, and I guess maybe I'm not under a magic spell, so I don't know why. It, you know, but it just felt super quick, and I, I don't know what I wanted out of it, but I didn't quite get it. And then I think when he turns on like the friends and so I guess maybe it's, he, he never got any pleasure out of that at all. Did he? No. Maybe I'm a terrible person for like, well, I should have enjoyed the cursed object. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor. Yeah. So I do feel really badly, you know, for Brian. And I do like that sort of like promise me you'll never go in that store, like sort of not being able to just sort of get away from that guilt, but warning, you know, his little brother about that. I think that seems like a theme that runs through like kind of a, a number of, I mean, I'm thinking like an it, like between like Georgie and it's, you know, uh, that he has those moments and even what the stand to, like, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of those like kind of brother relationships and, and I was kind of, I think they, they're effective, you know, emotionally. So that, that works, but, but yeah, so I guess, yeah. So element of, of nostalgia. Okay. I don't know if we want to talk about the, the weird Elvis stuff. Yeah. I mean, that also felt like super 50s or 60s. I mean, I'm sure there are probably people who still, right, adore Elvis, but... Right. But, I mean, this is... And I think it, it, it has to fall into the nostalgia. I mean, you know, this is... This was the, the best thing in the world when they were teenagers, right? This yeah. is... A lot of these people, you know, I'm thinking about Hugh Priest and uh, maybe even the, the deputy whose name I can't even remember... But right. like it's it's clear to them that their best days are behind them, and right. all of these things are so much more effective because it's a reminder of when they were happy. 
Which I think I would have been more open to because I think that's an interesting line. And it's certainly something that, you know, I mean, like I could feel like nostalgia for a certain thing, but I would like to believe that isn't the only thing that drives people. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been more interesting had there been more like ways to kind of kind of get into it. Because I think you could still tie those to objects um, because, yeah, I think that nostalgia is the only thing that you can you can kind of get into. So, I mean, it was kind of interesting, I suppose, but then it never went anywhere, which would be the rivalry between the two friends, frenemies. I don't know what they really were, but uh, I thought that that was kind of interesting. But then, you know, when it devolves into, like, don't they fight each other, like, yeah. in real life over the king? And it's just, yeah. yeah, I was not, not excited <laughs> about, about that. And just, I don't know. This is a long book. Yeah. And the further I get into it, the longer it felt. True. And that's with things like the guns that speed things up dramatically. Yeah. All that said, I still didn't expect the ending to just kind of drop off the cliff the way it does. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it, it just seems like everything is happening and then it's just immediately over. Yeah. Not that I wanted more, but... True, but like, it, there's no... You know, and I don't know what else you would do, like... Okay, here we are. We're going to start putting the town back together again tomorrow. Like, everything is destroyed. Yeah. This is just done. Which, I guess I'm... I mean, if it's going to happen, then, but I don't need it again, like, pacing. I have no idea. But it did feel like it was... And it's so long, and then it's so abrupt. And it really... I mean, again, like, the uh, the oddness of the final big battle, and you're kind of just trying to, like, get a little... Like, <laughs> okay, like, sure, that was a thing that happened. And then it's like, okay, yeah. And then everything, <laughs> everything's done. Yeah, and then the cheesy frame thing. It didn't feel super satisfying. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, I'm going to pull a bold move here and be like, bless your heart, Stephen King. Because, <laughs> like, just nailing that ending is a tough deal. But honestly, like, I don't know where you'd go, like, with yeah. this. As you say, like, I mean, if you wanted me, like, this is the last Castle Rock story, well, I'm pretty sure, like, rebuilding the town, that's going to make the poor suckers out there like me, like, ooh, there's going to be another one for sure. <laughs> you know, like, I know how this is. Uh, and it's just like, oh yeah, we look like he's gonna live another day in Mesa, Iowa. Uh, yeah, it just didn't. It didn't work. I mean, okay, it's it's certainly like I didn't have it in paper, but if even if I did, I don't think I would have thrown it. I, I yeah. don't think it was that bad. Oh no, I I didn't. It didn't make me want to throw it. It made me happy I was done. Yeah, you know. Uh, but it was just kind of like, okay, now this is over with, and I've got some notes and I can talk about it, but. Uh, I don't see myself reading it again. No. Before we table, Aunt Evie. Yeah. What did you think of like that whole? Because what we had at, in the end, right? So there was the Aunt Evie mm-hmm. like plays, I guess, like interior like MVP. Uh, <laughs> and then you have Alan Pangborn and the close magic shadow puppet prestidigitation stuff going on. Yeah. And. What, there was actually was there a firefight like in terms of the guns and stuff like with, like what happened with like remember. Ace and how bad is this it's like <laughs> I finished this last week and I can't remember what happened to Ace or what Buster did they all die uh, I mean it kind of seems like they should have oh yeah the town blows up and the guy that you think is going to die with the heart attack shows up to get them in his car. Oh, right. That old guy was ridiculous. So, like, shout out to that guy. Um, yes. Yeah. So the deputy shoots him. Because he's, Ace has got Polly. 
And okay. he's holding Polly with the gun on her, and okay. then he shifts, and the deputy shoots him. Okay. And then dies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, deputy. And that's when Alan and Gaunt were fighting. Facing off. So I was looking through my notes, right? Just kind of trying to see this. And these are the ones that I have like in the book. So they just get like the little, the little square that says there. And I highlighted the note, uh, abracadabra, you lying fuck. <laughs> and, and then I'm so happy that I made an extra note to myself, which said, not the line as much as the magic. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was quite something else. But I did find another one and it was this note that was, um, I think that Stephen King is so good at like the Ace Merrill kind of character, mm-hmm. and one of the things that Ace I... Ace Merrill and Dan Forth Keaton, uh, right? Um, yeah, and I think they're they're very close. I think that my one of my favorite things, and it's not so much like I mean, Ace Merrill was like a good in uh, in the body, is mm-hmm. it? And Sam, I mean, I like Kiefer Sutherland. I thought like they did a really really good job, but like playing like just that sort of like thug right like that kind of like villain but in this one he becomes um a character that i i also find really interesting which is uh it's the thing i have this underline which is like ace's respect became solid admiration the old fuck was crazy and ace liked crazy people always had he felt at home with them and there's a number of things where he falls into like sort of that weird minion Mm -hmm. kind of thing and he's so good at like capturing that i started thinking they're not the same character at all but i think his name was was it lloyd in the the stand yeah and while Lloyd has way more layers, right, than Ace ever would, I'm always, that's one of my favorite kind of things is like the who falls in line with the big bad. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, again, Ace's motives, not all that deep, but I just love the fact that it's like, oh, yeah. And he does. He rolls with it. And who else to like hang out with Buster and just like penetrate that weird paranoid, like. So. So there's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Is Leland Gaunt Randall Flagg? Ooh. That could work. Or, you know, Randall Flagg's fraternity brother. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably the, the annoying... <laughs> like, <laughs> like the one that the rest of them were like, that guy, eh, you know, fine. But yeah, I, I'm wondering if they are... Chaos agents. Yeah. Uh, enjoying what they're doing and really having no other reason but just to enjoy it. Yeah. Which, I mean, it is one thing that I sort of enjoyed about Leland. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had wished my favorite parts, I think, or many of them that I liked about, like, Leland was, like, it's that veneer of civility. right? And then you see, like, how, you know, so then I guess when he breaks it, I suppose it's supposed to be more shocking. I always felt it was a little bit of a disappointment. It's probably also, like, if you think about, like, Max von Sydow, like, what's one of the good things that he has, right, is, like, that sort of presence. I think Gaunt gets that, but he breaks it, I think, more often in the in the book. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, he's still, you might, like, put a fancier, like, kind of face in it, but it is that that gleeful, just sort of, yeah, like, just enjoying it. And I mean, honestly, there are so many times where it nails like that sleazy salesman thing so well. Yeah. And so just having like Ace there, you know, being this ridiculous, he's so bad. Like he's, he's a terrible (laughs) drug dealer. He's a terrible, you know, making these really 
awful, dumb decisions, um, but then also being able to navigate because, and it's probably that, what did you talk about? Like just that whole, like, yeah, sure. Oh yeah, that's right, dad. <laughs> yeah. Why do you call me that? Oh, it seems like pretty good. And then of course, you know, Buster's just like, all right. You know, I mean, just being able to roll with that is kind of a, makes it for fun, but it's completely wasted. Right. Because then he's just like handing out guns and being a fool. And um, so that part was, was kind of disappointing. And again, I mean, I, I didn't remember. Honestly, didn't I? I didn't think that got out of it. I didn't think that no. that like Ace lived or anything. But I could not remember details of the death. So um, yeah, so it really just didn't didn't penetrate the the dome. I think like very uh, very well at all. We, we talked about this earlier, but now I'm trying to think about other King stuff from this period. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, the dark half was a year or two before this. Right. Tommyknockers, I think. Tommyknockers, I think, was early 80s. Early 80s. Okay. Stand what? came out in, like, 86, 87. Maybe, like, the was revised that? edition, 89. Oh, the revised edition, you know, yeah. Something like that. He was still doing, like, the the second or the third of the Gunslinger books came out okay. around this time, but I don't really remember a whole lot else from this period. Right. I'm blanking. When was the, what was it called? The Ass Weasels book. Dreamcatcher. <laughs> I feel bad. I'm sorry. I, know. I, I was thinking about that book remember. earlier because that's literally the only thing I can remember from that. Okay. I, I mean, I know there are characters in that book, but okay. I couldn't tell you who any of them are. Right. The same way that, you know, I couldn't remember the sheriff was in this book before I read yeah. it again. Uh, I want to say that was late 90s, maybe? That might be. I'm going to see if I can, like, look it up. Yeah. I'm going to use the internet yeah. and, like, look at this because... Well, I'm going to talk about my favorite moment in this book, which yes. is extra textual because it was when I pictured Leland Gaunt. I pictured David Rose from Schitt's Creek as Leland Gaunt. Because once you've done that and you read any of his dialogue in that cadence with that voice, right? it's just, I had to force myself to stop doing it because it's so much fun. Yeah, I'll probably have to go in and at least like read just a couple lines. I'm not rereading this book. Like that is a fact. Or it'll be one of those where like, you know, uh, talk to me in 10 years and I'll like, oh, and then you be like, you know, you remember you hated that. And, <laughs> oh yeah, I did. But well, you will have forgotten all the characters by then. So exactly. That I can go in and I have the exact same um, list. Okay. Oh, here we go. Bibliography. Okay, I am glad because when you said um, I had remembered Stand as late seventies, and so the the first edition was like late seventies because I remember seeing it in my grandma's uh, like on the nightstand and being like super fascinated by like the cover like someday I'm gonna read that book mm. and I totally did. Um, let's see. Did you read the the non revised edition first? Uh, yes. Okay, because I've only I, ever read the revised mm, one. Yeah, but I loved it so much. Uh, Stand is probably one of my favorite like king books and probably just one of my my favorites i love that so much so um and then i read the i read the revision um so let's see okay so dark half yep you did remember i think correctly because it does say it's like 1987 and they have dark tower 2 they have misery tommy knockers 1989 dark half 1990, I think that must be the revised edition of The Stand. The 91, um, Wastelands, uh, okay, Needful that's... Things. Ah, the 92 is Gerald's Game and Dolores Claiborne. No, I've not read those. <gasps> okay. Now, again, memory. Gerald's Game was interesting but super rough. I really, I liked Dolores Claiborne. 
I thought that was really good, and the movie was fantastic. So um, I really I liked that quite a bit. And then, oh, Insomnia was 94. I remember trying to read that, but I didn't read it when it was first published. I read it when I found out there was a Dark Tower connection. Ah. And I did not make it all the way through. Right. I read it, um, but like way after 94. Yeah. Um, and that was not one of my... Yeah, so we're getting into kind of a section where I did... Not, I don't know that I've ever read Rose Matter. No. Oh. Oh. I think I have read that one. <laughs> okay. I think I have read that one. I think that's one of the ones... Okay. So around this time is when Hearts in Atlantis came out. Yes. And I think it's similar to Rose Matter in that the, there are different sections in these books. And like one of them has something supernatural and the rest of it is not. I could be completely misremembering okay. that or combining multiple books. But I, I remember Rose Matter and then Hearts in Atlantis also, yeah. Yep, then it gets, oh, Dreamcatcher is 2001. Wow. My, yeah, because I look at this, it's like, so it's Rose Matter and then the next year it's Green Mile, mm. Desperation and the Regulators, which I think I read both of those, but. Eh. Yeah, in, in my brief memory here, those feel like this book mm-hmm. where like just normal people get shoved into a terrible situation and everything goes to hell. Yeah. And maybe one of them had more of a, like, a supernatural thing to remember, like, maybe, again, weird voice in a mind. I don't know. Uh, yeah, okay. And then next year, Wizard and Glass. Then Bag of Bones, Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon, um, which I don't care about baseball, but I liked that book. I haven't read it. Um, yeah. And then Dreamcatcher and Black House. Yeah. And then I didn't make it through Black stuff. House. I only made it through The Talisman once. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. But honestly, like, I'm just still like in Dreamcatcher 2001. Because I'm sorry, but that really feels like something that was made <laughs> under <laughs> the influence of a whole lot of stuff. Um, well, that that would be one of his first ones post accident when he nearly died. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's like that was really insensitive of me, <laughs> and I say that with like, oh yay, yes, yes. So he could have been on the influence, but it might have been um, despair and painkillers or something. So yes, I had forgotten that. It doesn't give him a total pass. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. And then then we skip down to like some of the other ones. Though so I just was like Lance, and I saw Cell. Oh, Cell is terrible. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I want to make it clear, like, this isn't like, I still really like Stephen King's oh, yeah. work, but... I've read The Stand probably half a dozen times, and that's a big-ass yeah. book, you know? Um, and I love The Dark Tower, flaws and all. Um, mm-hmm. I Just in general Stephen King universe, mm-hmm. the uh, Dark Tower... No. Okay, so The Gunslinger, the first Dark Tower mm-hmm. book. That's the first Stephen King I ever read. Okay. And I I knew Stephen King, right? Right. Popular culture. Like, Stephen King, his books will scare the shit out of you. <laughs> right. But the, the Gunslinger is not like that. Uh, and I loved all the stuff in it. And you talk about reading the original stand and the revised stand. I've read, I read the original Gunslinger and the revised one back to back just so I could know what the differences were. <laughs> okay. But originally, you know, I read the Gunslinger and I read the drawing of the three. And then there was no more in that series because the Wasteland was still a couple years in the future. So I had to start reading other Stephen King. Right. And that's okay. how I got into it. That's interesting. Yeah. I only read, um, I read Dark Tower stuff late mm-hmm. uh, and I think probably it was my 
I keep telling myself, and I know I've told you a number of times, I don't like Westerns. That, but like, I don't like Westerns. Oh, I love that true grit. <laughs> I like Westerns. Well, you know, like, and I mean, there's so many of these things. And so when I was like, oh, that's really, that's the barrier because there's at least, a, you know, video game properties and movies and, you know, there's all this book. And I'm like, so I don't know. Probably it's like, I didn't like boring Westerns that my dad made me watch when I was a kid. Uh, and so I finally just sucked it up and got over it. And then it's like, oh, you know, when people are talking about like first line hooks and everyone says, like, it's amazing. And you're like, how did I not read this book? It's wonderful. The man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. Yes. yes. And I, so I read that first line and of course I'm like, well, this is amazing. And then the first time he says, like, you've forgotten the face of your father. And, you know, it just like, just, yeah, I just got goosebumps. Like, it just was like, it's so good. And then I'm like, well, one more time, let's just talk about how we need to get over ourselves and like read something amazing. Um, but yeah, like, so there's just so much of this good stuff. I'm pretty sure the first one I ever read was like Salem's Lot, which mm-hmm. is not a bad book, but it is not. <laughs> It's not the same thing. I did not read that till the priest showed up in Dark Tower. Because oh, I had never read it at that right. point, you know. And there were a few gaps like that in the, the early stuff. Like, I didn't read Carrie until the last couple of years. Okay, yeah. Um, and pre- there's some that I still haven't read. Yeah, I haven't read I haven't read them all either. Um, and I don't think they're, like, particular holdouts. It's just, you know, you got to get time to do this i'm pretty sure the only reason that i read salem's lot when i did was because it was sitting around the house Mm -hmm. and i was i had to have been in probably like fifth or sixth grade you know which is probably not like the best time to pick it up but it's like you were there were so many of us it's just like yes like when you pick this up and i was young enough that like i would in i enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and i read it in the clear light of day but it was one that i had to hide at night (laughs) and i just you know like so it had to be like you know away and so i do kind of like that memory uh and i and i did enjoy it i can't remember what i read next it might have been like the shining or something like that but Uh, so there are a few of his things that I reread, like Dark Tower and Stan, but there and there are things that I have really fond memories of, um, like The Shining or Eyes of the Dragon, uh, but I've never reread them. Right, like I, I've only read them the one time and never gone back. Sometimes that's probably best. It may have been best in the case of Needful that's Things. That's true. Yeah. But I don't have like this. And even when I thought about Needful Things, I mean, it really was not. It was more than lukewarm, right? Mm-hmm. It was like the, I have vague feelings of goodness Yeah, about absolutely. It, but it's not like something like I remember like really loving this book. Um, now, The Stand, the first mm-hmm. time I read that, absolutely. I knew I loved yeah. that book. Yeah, me too. Um, I've read this. I don't even. I can't even count the number of times that I've read the stand. I almost did like a big section of uh, like for school. I mm-hmm. like it was going to be part of like the big you know, kind of research project um, because you know it's disease and literature. So yes, I'm like all about that. And so I was like super excited about it. Um, but so even after like slogging through it, like from an academic point of view, I still love it. Like I just so it's probably been a couple of years since I've read it, but I'm fully. And I'll pick it up and I'll love it because I know these characters. I know that's what I'm going for. And yes, like the the wobbly parts that don't like really land super well. I don't care. Like I just, yes, like there's certain things. And I mean, like my heart says something very different happened at the end. Like 
that's okay. I can, you know, I don't, I've never actually written the fan fiction, but it's like the equivalent, like the feeling of it, which is like, nope. But the good news is, is I can start it over again. And, you know, I'm right there with those people. So I think I've read The Stand the most. Then I'm going to say I have read Dead Zone a number of times. Mm Mm-hmm. Not sure why I love that so much. It's probably just because Johnny's such a damaged, like, character. And um, I think given what's happening, and I've thought about that, like, just without getting into politics too much, like, the hellscape of, like, a lot of this stuff, and just made me think of the dead zone a couple times, um, where, like, oh, that's a little uncomfortable. But um, I've read that one a number of times. And then uh, it's probably two other ones. One is The Shining. Mm -hmm. I like that one quite a bit. Um, it's been a while and I have a, I have a bad feeling that it might not hold up quite as, quite as well, but I don't know. Uh, And then the other one honestly is, um, the long walk. I know I've read that, but only once the the book Mm -hmm. that that's in, I I can remember reading it. Uh, I mostly remember that book. Wait a minute. Which one is the, okay. The long walk. I'm, I think I'm confusing it with the running man. I think it's the same one because it was one of the Bachman books. Yeah. So I sort of have it there. I don't remember what was the collection. That wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't different seasons. No, I I remember that one. Maybe it was just called the Bachman books. I think it may have been. Oh, thinner. I remember reading that. Okay. Uh, All I remember is really (laughs) don't ever want to read that again. No, no. Yeah, so that one, I think it did have, I think that one did have running, I'm not, like, I'm trying to, like, look it up on Wikipedia or something and seeing what it is. I guess it doesn't really matter. But I, if I remember correctly, like, I think that had, uh, I well, think what's, it had, what's the long walk? The long walk is the one where it's, like, that dystopian thing, and they basically have, like, you're, they have the kids that are, I think it's mostly kids, but, like, the, they're walking, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the whole thing, and it's sort of, like, uh, like, like if you go too slow, they'll shoot you and kill you. And they're all going for like this big prize. And so there's just like this, uh, part of it is just the, the, the awfulness, right? Like of it, like just the weird setup of it, but just the, it's like that sort of match between like what happens to people in these extremes. And so, and again, this might be like, um, each time that I read it, it might be like less affecting, but I think the overall idea of it is interesting, but it's just, I think it's the physical exertion and then like how they react, like as they're, they're moving on. Cause part of it is just like getting so deep into like what that character is, is going through. I mean, it's not like you know, a life changing work, but it's, there's something about that story that has always captured my imagination. And probably when I was younger, it might've been something like, who can walk that far? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it might have been like that much. I don't even remember like how far they actually walk. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think the lar- longest time like I've ever walked in a row is like the, like uh, the mini marathons, so, like 13 miles. And that uh, was pretty much all I was ever going to do. But yeah, like, so they just keep walking. It says, oh yeah, walk begins main Canada border. And then they just keep walking until like the last person is, mm. is moving. And it's brutal. Um, but like brutal in this. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> But yeah, and I mean, that one's a pretty quick read, uh, but I think so that's a weird mix, but it's like, so yeah, um, I've mostly read The Stand, The Shining, The Dead Zone, and this one. And now, no, I don't think Needful Things is even taught. I think I've read other ones more than once. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to give it, you know, a nice couple months break. Uh, right before we started this, the Institute was released. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll read the Institute. It's going to be great. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying I won't, but 
you know, I like I've had my dose. Yeah. And I need to I want to like sort of approach it fresh so that I can sit down and really, you know, either enjoy it or not. I've not even seen like any reviews or anything about it, so I I, I don't know like how it turned out, but I'm hoping that it's great. <laughs> Uh, but I do need a break, so... Yeah, I, I, I think I'm good on Stephen King for a while. Um, just sitting here and thinking about all the other stuff. Um, I may have to go dig up a copy of 1408, the uh, the short story. Oh. That's one of my favorite Stephen King things. So, I do like Stephen King. Yes. I didn't love this book. <laughs> did but either. Whew, what a way to start. Yeah, and I... <laughs> I don't know. I just felt so bad. Like I wanted it to be like, like oh yeah, like rereaders is all about like recapturing the joy. But if you talk about and oh here we go, it's gonna be like you know we probably got like sold something for nostalgia value. <laughs> it turned out to be a moldy foxtail of yeah, just it's probably like some terrible like me notebook that uh, just. Did not pay off. Some good nuggets here or there, but... I think that is the the correct review. (laughs) 